Hi, this is Greg Anthony, better known as Cole Anthony's dad, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast with my guys, Mikey, Paul, and Garan. In order for the magic to work, you have to truly believe in the magic. Hey, Magic fans, and welcome to Penny for Your Thoughts, the podcast of the Orlando Magic UK. Today is Friday, the 28th of April, and we are recording this episode where we are going to be talking about Paolo Banquero having been announced as Rookie of the Year and looking at the playoffs with an eye to our own off-season. So, first of all, I, as always, I am joined by the inimitable Mikey Clark. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, mate. I've uh, ripped my bracket up for the, for the year. After uh, the Clippers and the Bucks both got dumped out in the first round. So uh, that just continues how bad my predictions have been this year. But yeah, Yeah, other than that, mate, I've been good. Good man, good man. Yeah, the Bucks did me as well. And as always, again, Mr. Jones. Grant, how you doing, mate? I'm all right, thank you, mate. Yeah, my sixes are still in there. So, uh, well, to be honest with you, it's slim pickings now in the East, isn't it? So uh, I think we might all be Clipper fans, sorry, Sixer fans um, the rest of the way. But uh, no, I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. And how is it the uh, the ice hockey going? Are you enjoying it? Oh yeah, it's stressful. It's very stressful. <laughs> I do love the NHL playoffs. I've, I, I was, thank you, mate. I forgot the name of the lead. That's why I stumbled. If, you, if you're watching it on YouTube, <laughs> I'm wearing my Tampa Bay Lightning t-shirt. Um, I've been watching the Lightning more than I've watched, been watching the NBA. If I'm being perfectly honest with you. Um, getting yeah well into it, so uh, hopefully we we have another Toronto Maple Leaf uh, choke job. And finally, our friend from up north, Gary. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm all good. I've just got to say though that I did say, uh, G, that the Celtics might make the finals, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm afraid. Yeah, it's, it's well, we're just hoping. Like... It's, yeah, we're just hoping that you're wrong. Mate. <laughs> Sorry about you can, that. <laughs> you can tell a northern lad he's the only one sat in a in a basketball jersey. The rest of us, two of us have got hoodies on and one's in a t-shirt. Either you've really got far too much money and have got the heating on far too high, Gary, or it is true that you northern boys do not feel the cold. I've just been the gym, mate. <laughs> ah, <laughs> still cooling down, then, dude. I talked to Mikey. To I talked to Mikey last week. And to be fair, the sun's out here. It's nice and. It's been nice and bright. It's been like 17 degrees down down here in Somerset. It's been all right here. It's just you, yeah. Paul. You're just trying to get all that uh, lurgy out of your system at the moment. Oh, mate. Let's not go there. Let's right. not go there. <laughs> you've, you've all, you're all aware of where that's at with me. But uh, yeah. So before we get into it, um, first of all, please don't forget if uh, about Saturday the 15th of July, it's the first Orlando Magic UK meetup. Uh, it's going to be happening. Um so if you fancy joining us and haven't yet been in touch, please reach out to us. We would love for you to join us. And another important date to remember, just about two weeks away now, Tuesday the 16th of May, the NBA Draft Lottery. And we are again hosting our live watch party. Again, please join out, join us uh, to watch where the magic will pick. Head over to orlandomagicuk.com forward slash watch party to sign up and uh, Mikey will be in touch and sort everything out for you. There's a online form now that I've just put on there. So if you go on there, put your email address and then we'll send the Zoom links out to you. Um, we haven't confirmed a time yet. It'll probably be around, was it midnight we started last year? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it'll probably be the same this year. Okay. So now let's get into the uh, magic news um, and it's really 
only one talking point this week. Paolo Banquero has been named the NBA's Rookie of the Year. He polled 98 first-place votes out of 100. Um, where the other two were looking, I have absolutely no idea, especially the Utah guy who put him as third. Um, so just to quickly recap, he's, he, he averaged 20 points per game, 6.9 rebounds, 3.7 assists. He became only the sixth rookie in the last 50 seasons to average the 20-plus points, six-plus boards, and three-plus assists, uh, having played a minimum of 50 games. Just the, the sixth. It's phenomenal. Um, he also finished with 40 20-plus games, 20-plus point games, I'll say that again, which equaled LeBron James uh, during his NBA rookie campaign with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2003-04. He was named NBA's Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month on four consecutive occasions, um, joining Shaq, who had done it once, who was the only other player for the Magic to have done so, and that was 92-93. So, boys, got to talk about this. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Garam. You've, there's a couple of quotes uh, this week. One from LeBlanc, uh, Le, LeBlanc, one from LeBron, <laughs> <laughs> and the other from Jason Tatum. Um, absolutely praising him. It's up to you, G, if you want to run through him when when they come to you in a second. But the question I've got for you, G, should he have received more national and international attention than there has been? Yes, uh, in short, that's the, the the main sort of answer to that. I'll just um, recap on on what those um, two did say. So LeBron said uh, he's just going to keep getting better and better. All these experiences are really good for him on a day to day basis, and they've got a really good one. And he's a great kid too. Um, so either got a good one here in Orlando, and then obviously uh, Jason Tatum, who obviously went to Duke University, uh, where Paolo went. Um, said he's a bigger wing, creates off the bounce, shoot, post up, uh, and he's had a hell of a year. Uh, I think, obviously, probably rookie of the year, and he's been playing at a high level throughout. So, yes, you know, to, to get that from those types of players, uh, it's great great to, to hear. Um, and it's not just the players. It's We've had a lot of, um, you know, great comments from opposing coaches, as we've heard on Bally Sports, and David Steele and uh, JT, uh, often talk to the uh, opposing play-by-play uh, -play guys as well, and, and there's always uh, lots of good good things to say about Paolo. Um, but with with the wins, with more national coverage, um, we'll get you know the guys on TNT to talk more about Paolo. It was actually quite exciting this week to to you know when um, to hear the the TNT guys talk about the uh, rookie of the year, and it was a full you know ten minutes spent on it, and I'm sure. You you guys um, listen to it as well. You know, you have a bit of bit of joking around with Shaq and Chuck and everybody. Um, but no, that will come. We'll get some more national game. Well, we'll get a national game at least, uh, and hopefully we'll be in the playoffs next season now. So we should get a lot more national attention going forward. Uh, maybe something that was a little bit lacking this season. I think. I think I saw you quote something or comment on. Um the ESPN thing, G, where they were interviewing Paolo about Rookie of the Year. And one of the main questions was, what would you think of getting Wembeana at the at Orlando? You, you're talking about, 
you're meant to be interviewing this guy about his his achievement, Stuff. not about this other guy. And I just think that showed the level of um, disrespect. Yeah, disrespect, yeah, yeah. That his his rookie campaign has received. I don't. I think you, I'm sure I saw you comment on it, G. Yeah. So obviously we've we've got. Um, Bancaro, so there's a lot less pressure on the Magic front office to get the next pick right. So if we don't get Victor or Scoot, then we've already got the guy there. Um, so it remains to be seen, you know, where we draft. But obviously, having uh, two potential lottery picks um, allows us to do something different. In they would just not getting rookies all the time. Maybe get some vets. I think yeah. you can liken. Paolo's season a bit like Anthony Edwards because I think Anthony Edwards is a really special player as well and he showcased that in the yeah. playoffs well he's only I think if you ask the Timberwolves fan he probably didn't get enough praise and enough attention in his first year or two and I think now he's into the playoffs and he's having a bigger role I think he's starting to reap those benefits as well and I think Paolo's going to have the same thing when we eventually get there too yeah yeah, Gary, I'm going to come to you about the uh, ceremony, which I thought was really good of the magic um, to host it. Uh, I don't; it won't, it wouldn't have come across on the face uh, Facebook Live coverage that they had of it, but they'd invited um, loads and loads of magic employees to the ceremony and had done them all T-shirts for the event. So everybody, the T-shirt that David Steele was wearing on the stage everybody who worked for the magic had been given one of those t-shirts and was wearing it for the event. Um, see, uh, Sabrina sent pictures of that and uh, it looked brilliant. Uh, it's a shame they didn't pan across to the uh, show. The, the staff, they're all applauding him and cheering him and going at it. But Gary, uh, ceremony, we heard Paolo talk about family, um, how he feels, he felt at home instantly coming to the team, people having his back, uh, talked about the fans and being excited to be here for a very long time, in his words. He also spoke about the focus of the team being the playoffs, uh, playoffs or bust next season, and spoke of wanting to get the team together over the summer to practice. What were your takeaways from his answers? Um, firstly, Paul, I think... I watched it on YouTube, not on. Uh, I haven't got Facebook. All oh, right, I'm probably the I'm probably the one person on here who <laughs> doesn't have Facebook. Um, and you could see from the what I've seen, some people in these black T-shirts with Bankero Five on the back, right, making cool. up some of the audience, which was noticeable from that angle. And it's a nice touch. Um, I'm gonna put an asterisk in front of this because if this somehow gets clipped on a Twitter by somebody, it's gonna sound like I'm the biggest complainer in the world, and I'm really not. It's not a complaint at all. Paulo said all of the right things. Everything he said was right. And it's shown there that he, he's got the maturity. I think it's really was clear at that moment. He was very, very happy in Orlando, um, which is interesting to me because if you remember when we drafted him, there was the takes on Twitter and such from some people that were like, Paulo Bancaro doesn't want to be in Orlando, look at his face. Nothing to do with the fact he was shocked because he was expecting to go three. And, you know, we know the backstory to that. But it's clear that Paulo is happy here. And I think he's media savvy. There's no reason why he would have any complaints at all. He's achieved, We've heard about this goal he had since he was in high school. He's achieved the Rookie of the Year. He's been the number one pick. He's got the Jordan shoe deal. 
He's got the loving from veteran players. He's been a key ingredient as to why there's been a huge upswing in results. His personal stats are huge. You've talked about it yourself, Paul, at the start, about where he stands, like, you know, in rookies in the last 50 years and such. He's part of an exciting young team. And he's got a coach who seems to be really popular in a front office who's saying we're going to build around him. So for, for what it's worth, I actually believe everything he said for this minute, what it's been said. And that's important because um, I think the context is always important whenever anyone speaks. And I think right now, Paolo is delighted and it's our job to keep it that way. Um, I, I, I do expect to be in the playoffs next season. It is playoffs and bust. We got an insight into how he is and I'm pleased because there are certain players in the NBA who've been high-profile picks who don't have that mentality what he appears to have. I'm thinking of someone like Carl Anthony Towns for me. I don't think he really has that mentality, which um, Paolo has. So I think that's huge. I will always go back with any player ever who we have. So whether it's now, the future or whatever, to, to the end of the finals when we lost to the Lakers. Sorry to bring that up, G. And we saw Dwight and Jamea sitting on the court at the end watching it. And it was this moment of they've done it now, but it's going to be our time. So look at the disappointment because we're going to build on that. And it was that attitude, which similar to what we're seeing from Paolo. And we know, and I'll come to this point later on when we're talking about building winners, but it's got to be around at that moment. And we know that things can change and it happens when we see stars get traded and leave teams and nobody ever expects it. Now, I don't think Paolo does want to leave us at all. I think he's delighted right now. But the um, over-elaborated point is is it's the context for me. We now have to do the right things to keep him in France right in Orlando. Yeah, and I think that's perfectly reasonable for a player to have that attitude. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong. His, his loyalty has to be... We all know you go to work, first of all, to earn. Yeah. But you have to like where you're working and enjoy the work you're doing for it to not be a grind every day. Mm-hmm. It's entirely reasonable, in my opinion, that a player can have a loyalty to the team, but if that situation changes or there's a better opportunity, then it's perfectly reasonable for them to explore that, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think your answer is absolutely right. I think you're absolutely bob on there, Gary. But yeah, Mikey, um, again, through the season, we've talked about Paolo's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the nugget I absolutely loved that's come out uh, about him after receiving a text message upon receiving the Rookie of the Year award. Um, the text message came from Magic Assistant Offensive Coordinator Randy Gregory, and it was a list of players who'd previously won the accolade and sh- had the career disparity on that list. So you've got the players who'd done really well, the players who'd done less well, we'll be polite. And it's said that Paolo's eager to take the challenge on and push to be one of those players who goes on to accomplish great things after receiving Rookie of the Year. So, long-winded question to get to. What do you want to see him work on, Mikey? Well, the simple answer is everything he possibly can, um, including building on good habits. I think it was something that he talked about in that interview on, on TNT was about growing up his mum made him work on a lot of the boring side of things 
honest footwork and, and those sorts of things. And I think he's going to continue to do that. I think he's already got that in him. Um, he's already a hard worker. That's uh, that's not an issue. But I think if we're looking at specific areas of Paolo's game, where he's struggled certainly this year, free throw line is definitely one of them. Um, 73.8% for the season on 7.4 attempts. Um We've seen games where Paolo's gone, and we saw this right at the end of the season. He had a night where he had 13 or 14, and then follows it up the next night and goes 4 for 11. And I think it's those uh, those inconsistencies that he needs to work on. The fundamentals are there. I think the, the mm. form is there, especially from the three-point line as well. But we need to see that efficiency, efficiency go up from the free-throw line because on seven attempts a game, He's already really, really, really good at getting downhill and getting into the basket. Getting to the basket, so you you need to convert those points. And we saw this in the playoffs with Yanis, another player who's really good at getting to the basket, but he really struggles from the line at times, and that can be a big difference on a team winning or losing a game. Um, so that's definitely one one area that I think he's going to be working on. The other is obviously the three point shooting. It's such a massive part of the NBA game now. Um, yeah, 29.8% on four attempts a game this season. Um, we obviously, He had obviously had his struggles in February where, where he went one for 33. But then he followed up in March going 20 for 54 and shooting 37%. So we, we've seen those, those stretches. We've seen a big enough sample size where he can shoot the three. Um, the majority. I was having a look at his numbers. The majority of his attempts were above the break. Um, weren't a huge amount of attempts from the corners. He was forty-two percent from the left, twenty-three percent from the right corner. I think the three-point line is just. I think the three-point shooting is just something Paolo's just got to get reps in, the same as the free-throw line. Um, he's shown that he can shoot them. Um, he just needs to continue putting that work in. Um, and I think also continue to physically work on his physicality and develop that side of his game. I think he knows he's strong. We, we've seen the frame. We've seen him in person. We know how strong he is and, and get into the basket. But I think he's got to learn to play more effectively using his size, which is what I'd like mm -hmm. to see him do a bit more next season. Um we saw him get to the get to the rim a lot. Uh, he shot fifty nine percent within five feet this year, but then he dropped to thirty one percent from the five to nine feet range this year. So, yeah, it's just there's just all this all these efficiencies that that need to improve. Um, his effective field goal percentage we want to see take a jump next year is forty six and a half percent this year. Um, where if you compare him to Franz, who's up to like 50, 55%, if we can see that sort of jump and see Paolo jump up to Franz's efficiency next season, then that's going to be a really big step for him as well. And obviously if three improves, then that's going to help as well because um, we know how valuable that can be. Um, yeah, but yeah, good habits. Just put the work in, put the time in, get the reps in. And uh, obviously... Hopefully they can stay healthy and get a full summer as well because that's important. Um, and then hopefully we'll hit the ground running come September, October. I know I didn't um, put this in when we were planning what we were going to talk about. But, Mikey, do you want to see me in Summer League? I don't, no, I don't think so. I think we've already seen enough. I think I wouldn't mind... 
I wouldn't mind seeing him fly out to Vegas and still practice. Yep. I wouldn't mind that, but I don't think we need to see him play competitive games. We already know what he can do. Um, I, I don't even think that's going to happen either, but I, it wouldn't be a bad thing either. Gary, G, any any disagreement on there? No, absolutely agree with uh, Mikey. He's uh, he's the man, and um, yeah, we don't need don't need to be risking him at summer league. So, Mikey, you've already sorry, Gary. I've jumped in. No, I just said I, I, I was going to say agreed. I was going to say agreed. That's <laughs> That's I just realised I saw the mic move up. And I'm like, Hang on, I'm speaking. I've not let you have a chance. <laughs> I do apologise, dude. No, Fine, no insult meant. <laughs> what do you think, Paul? I like the idea of um, going to summer league as a training, as an addition to the training camp. Um, as we've seen with the team, uh, quite a few of them have gone over to Vegas in the last couple of seasons. Uh, I like that idea, but no, I don't want to see him out on the court. No need. Doesn't need. Doesn't need to prove anything. He's already done it. So yeah, I'm in. I'm in agreement with you. Now we want to finish on a bit of a high as far as Paolo goes. So uh, I'm going to come to each of you for your favourite moment or game of Paolo's rookie season. Gary, what are you going to go with, mate? Probably going to sound strange given what the outcome of the game was, but it was opening night against Detroit and it was the big dunk and it was the overall performance. And I believe that was the the day that the rookie of the year, year race began and ended. <laughs> I mean it was a monster dunk it was such a highlight it was clear then it was clear it was clear in summer league who the best player was or the most NBA ready player and it was night one opening performance dominant and the dip we now know was down to an injury yeah. that he played through so um, yeah the dunk the, Detroit, the opening night where it was like yeah we've got one here right I, I remember I was sitting in Miller's Ale House uh, with the family. We'd gone deliberately because we knew full well that we'd got uh, the game going to be on. Although we did have to ask. It's very wrong. Very wrong that you've got to ask for a magic game in Orlando. Yeah. Um, sitting there with ribs and all this sort of thing. Nice pitcher of beer at the side. It always. And that moment happened and we all just went, oh! It was, yeah, it was a wake-up moment that I'm not going to go for that one. I'll come to mine in a minute. Gee, what are you going to go with? Do you want to go first? Because i got a couple, so I might have one that you don't have. Okay, Mikey, I'll let you go first. Uh, mine's the dunk against Houston, where where we were in person, Paul, for that one, where he, we drove into the lane. I can't remember who, we, who he dunked on now, but basically they got out of the way. Business decision and uh, had that nasty sort of shack-like dunk. So that was I'm going, mine. I'm going for the same game. I'm going for the Houston Rockets game. In the same way, Gary, as you said, bizarre considering the outcome of the game. And and, and that's also the game where he turned his ankle. But he came out and he absolutely obliterated Jabari Smith Jr. He came out and just sent a message. And you looked at that. For me, I looked at that game and thought, this is a guy who wants to be number one. He wants to prove to everybody that he is the best. And he dropped 30 points in that game as well. So yeah, that was the... That was the one I was going with. Good stuff. Um, I still got a couple here, so I'll, I'll go with my main one, which was the. You can, uh, you can get. You can go with both, dude. It's not a problem. No, no, no. Uh, the win at Washington, 
uh, I think it was like the first of April or something on the road. Um, obviously we were chasing in the chasing the play in, and I think we would must have been down about ten going into the fourth quarter. Uh, he ended up getting thirty points, twelve rebounds, six assists, and I think it was the quarter we outscored them by about. I don't know about about twelve in the in the fourth, um, erasing a lead, a uh, Washington lead, and then obviously, but it was the way he did it. He was, you know, I'm the man. Give me the rock. I'm just gonna drive it. I'm just gonna put put the team on your shoulders. And it was like then you knew he was, you know, our number one option. Um, but just a sideline to that. Obviously, I was lucky enough to be at the uh, the win against the Celtics back in January. When we uh, beat them 113 to 98, he scored 23 in that. Uh, but again, it was just seeing him in in person, firsthand. Uh, he also shot three of five from downtown. Um, so yeah, just just seeing him, you know, it just makes it real. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I did. I'm going to say, Mikey, I did wonder if you were going to go with the uh, Charlotte Hornets game that you, Gary, and I were all that, um, where he just missed out on a triple-double, um, led the team with 21 points, and I was just wondering if that was going to be the one you went for. Well, you could also say the Kings game, where he had a season high as yeah, well, but then that, did, yeah, ended yeah. that famously didn't end well either. <laughs> uh, not a bad player that we lost the game to, ultimately, no, I suppose. Wasn't, not at all. How unfortunate is Dar- Darren Fox got that injury? Yeah. That's such a tough thing. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, that series we're going to come on to the playoffs now, but that series has been stunning to watch. It's been five games that have just grabbed hold from start to finish, superb stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's get on to the playoffs then. So, in the east, we've now seen Cleveland and Milwaukee crash out of the playoffs, along with uh, Brooklyn and Atlanta. In the west, the Nuggets and the Suns have progressed at the expense of the Timberwolves and the Clippers. And that's brought out a raft of different opinions about how our front office are doing, how the rebuild is going. And I want to talk through a couple of uh, the the takes, shall we say. So the first one, Mikey, I'm going to come to you here, is that the Heat and the Knicks are progressing. Sorry, the Heat and the Knicks progressing to the second round shows that our front office is failing. The criticism is that the Heat are always in the mix despite consistently rebuilding their squad and that the Knicks have the Knicks have built, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, the Knicks have built quicker than us. Considering that the last time that they won a series in the playoffs was 2013 and they've only appeared once in the playoffs in 2021 since that 2013. I think we've done a little bit better on the rebuild earlier on than that. When go. you sent us the agenda, I had to reread this bit. <laughs> I really couldn't believe that somebody's actually put. This oh, mate, there. this is this has been a, a a topic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just wow. I knew you'd like this one. I knew you'd I like mean, this one. Where do we start? I mean, I said to you guys last week. I was watching Bobby Marks, who works for ESPN ex-front office guy for the Nets who said no team is better set up than the Magic going into the off-season. When you consider how quickly you think, what was it, 18 months ago, we traded Vooch, Aaron Gordon, blew that team up. We had that terrible season last year where it was just 
loss after loss. And then all of a sudden, you get your number one pick. You, you're looking now, you've got Paolo and Franz. They're your core two players. And you've got Markel Foltz. Better put him next in case G gets upset. Wendell, Cole, Jalen Suggs. We've got a really, really good young core players. We've got, we own all our future first round picks. We've got, obviously, hopefully this year, Chicago's 2023 20, first round pick if it doesn't land in the top four. Um, we got a twenty. We got a second pick, a second round pick next year from Denver. The following year, we've got a top five protected pick from Denver, and then we've got another six first round picks coming from Boston, the Lakers, Milwaukee, Detroit. Adding to that, we've got I think what's the maximum? Somebody's at, uh, is it Jonathan Isaac and Fultz are in seventeen million? They're the Not highest that, paid yeah. players on the team. So you've got young players and really good contracts. So a lot of them are front loaded. You've got a lot of flexibility. You've got p- lots of potential cap space, not just this year, but next year as well. <laughs> I don't need to say anything else. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> They're oh, not failing at all. I mean, and, and then you consider, what is it, a 12-game impro- win improvement on last year as well? We're yep. making steps in the right direction. There's absolutely no need to think that <laughs> this front office is failing. In fact, they're doing a tremendous job. I, I, the other thing I think the comparison is unfair on is that you are talking about in the Heat and the Knicks two big, big market teams. The Heat have had an awful lot of success um, over recent years. We see the sales of their jerseys. And, you know, you look at what the Heat have done this season, fair play. You can't say anything other than brilliant job how to take down milwaukee the way they took milwaukee down was extremely impressive the knicks regardless of success are a big market team and can attract free agents i know that there's been some struggles recently but in pulling off the the deal that they did uh in the summer to get brunson over has clearly paid dividends um but i don't think i don't think it's a fair comparison between the between the markets of the teams, personally, no. Gary, any thoughts for yourself? Like, like, I, this is one I looked up. I didn't know who to ask it on this one. I, I also thought about you for this one, mate. Um, it's interesting because I had a take on Twitter about someone who was a a, a commentator or a journalist of some description saying about um, it might as you know it was critical and it was a Knicks related and they just said oh might as well be the paces and the the magic playing for the way the Knicks were getting treated in the media for their game the other night and my, my reply to that was well you know when it comes to the media they really shouldn't look at the Knicks because you haven't played in the finals this century <laughs> that's 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 that's, that's, the, that's the starting point for that and I don't think the Knicks like, I think the Knicks I think Brunson's been massive for them RJ Barrett's a really un- underrated player, I think. In, and I think that uh, Julius Randle's had a very, very good season this year. I don't think that team's going to win a title or go to the finals. So yeah, yeah. that if that's the ultimate goal, then have they really succeeded? They're a big market team and they haven't been able to attract a really good free agent for a long time. So I would say that for the Knicks. And by the way, I quite like the Knicks because I love New York as a place. So I'm all for the Knicks doing well. And I would love to see them, you know, go through. Spolstra is the best coach in the league. 
He is good. I agree. Popovich. Oh no, you know, Popovich. Pop, Pop, yeah, but easy. what what's Pop got to work with now? He kind of do it. He's not yeah. in the playoffs, so I would say Spolstra's there as an all-time great coach. So is Pop, but Spolstra's there with it, and he's doing it where he's working with. As we've said, he's Jimmy Butler. Why didn't he do this for Philly? Well, maybe yeah. it's Spolstra. Maybe it's, that. Maybe that's who's done it. You know, it's criminal. He's never won Coach of the Year. It's crazy. Maybe you I know, agree. like yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But he's. I think he's the reason. He is the reason. With obviously Jimmy Butler, but he's got Jimmy Butler playing like this because we yeah. know that Jimmy Butler didn't play like this on a team that possibly should have won the title in terms of talent. That team has knocked out Milwaukee with the best player in the league on it. Spolstra is the difference. If he coaches the Bucks, there's no way that series is even thought about at all. And I know we said it off air, but I really think uh, Mike Budenholz is probably not wanting to answer the phone in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I, I would put my money on Nick Nurse taking over there. What What do you guys think will happen in the next round? Just before we get into the next point, obviously Nick's heat. Who are you taking? Right, I'll go with Paul. I think the Heat will win. Do you? Okay. Yeah. You do as yeah. well, Mikey. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I but think, the, the thing they, is, they've, they've got the experience, ago. though. That's the prop. That's the thing. Like Gary just alluded to to Eric Spoelstra. He's, he's got the experience. He's a championship winning coach. Jimmy Butler was what a couple of wins away in the bubble to win in a championship for them then. They've got Carl Lowry, who's an NBA champion. Kevin Love's an NBA champion. They've got the experience. They've got everything they need. And what's crazy is they're doing this and they haven't even got Tyler Hero, who's supposed to be their biggest threat from the outside. Um, yeah, for me, it's going to be interesting. I think the Knicks having home court's going to be big for them. But I still think, I mean, the way Miami have taken... Milwaukee apart. I mean, I sat here last week and I was like, it's absolutely no way Miami are going to win another game. Even with Yanis, they still got enough and here we are. And they haven't won a game since. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, but I, yeah. I I was quite open in saying I thought that it was Milwaukee's to lose. I didn't see. I, I genuinely thought Milwaukee were easily the title favourites. What, what Miami have done to them was... Very, very impressive. Super but the, impressive. The worst thing is, two weeks ago, they were a game from being eliminated with Chicago yeah. in the play-in. Incredible. Gosh, Was that can... lost to Atlanta done on purpose? I don't know. No. They were really down after that. It's very brave if they did. Very brave if they did. But yeah. Now, Gary, yeah. I'm going to come to you and ask you this question. Because the... Other, one of the other takes was this, that trading for Donovan Mitchell by Cleveland ultimately made no sense. They went out and signed him. They're now tied in to cap space, have got no cap space and have very little chance of ultimately re-signing him. So, rebuild through the draft and patiently rather than going and getting a Donovan Mitchell. Thoughts your thoughts, Gary? Um, if you're watching or listening to this, um, now is the time to get yourself a cup of coffee. <laughs> so, I'm just going to say, right, okay, let's look at the teams who've won the NBA title in recent years. So we've got the Golden State Warriors, and it's built around a core of Draymond, Steph, and Clay. 
which came from the draft. the draft and development, correct. Um, the Golden State Warriors, apart from the James Wiseman trade, don't tend to throw away um, potential or assets in trades. They don't. This is why they've got this dynasty where they don't see them throwing away picks forever. They don't do what the Lakers have done. They don't do what the Nets and people like that have done. It's patience. They've also got a good coach. Crucially, they have a superstar. And they've got leaders in the locker room influencing a culture. So if we take those as clear ingredients and then you look at the books, superstar came via the draft. There's elements of luck involved with all of them. You know, the, the, you can call it skill or you can call it draft, but Yanis fell to 15. That's luck. Um, Steph Curry was on his way out of Golden State. By all accounts, they were ready to give up with him and then it didn't happen. That's elements of luck. But the books also have made smart moves. And they've had, I would say, a little bit of luck with Middleton turning out how he did. But you could say that's due to scouting. And they've got the locker room and the leaders in there. People like Middleton, Yanis, Bobby Portis, etc. Don't think they've got the coach. That's possibly the, the the issue with everything else, the star, the draft, etc. I think the Lakers are an anomaly because they've got that huge market, Paul, that you've talked about, but yeah. it was done via free agency, which is how they do things. I don't think it's been a skillful front office. It was in the bubble. Um, I don't think the coach was great, as we know. And it's very short-term and it fell away. Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, star. At that time, Kawhi Leonard was a top five player in the NBA. Again, no crazy trades of assets. Players on the team who they drafted, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, OG. They've used their draft well. There was no mad trades. The trade for Kawhi Leonard was a calculated risk, but it was balanced. It didn't mortgage the future. Nick Nurse, good coach, I would still say, and yep. a locker room. Despite the fact what you might think of Kawhi, the people in that locker room are like Sir Kyle Lowry, who were running that locker room. So this this and then you can go again to the Warriors, what they've got built on the draft Kerr, and they attracted Kevin Durant before that. But it's all built on similar things. So I think people are desperate to try and find success formulas where if you do this, this, and this in life, this is what will happen, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your relationships, whatever. And I don't think it's that easy, but I think if you're looking at what you need, I think you need a star. You need to have a star because the anomalies really are the Spurs, which is Popovich, the culture and everything else, and that Pistons team where they just had some really good players who were all-star level without being superstar. You need to have a star because the star is going to attract people. You need to have a good coach. You need to have a culture in that locker room. So it's got to be established, players who are there long-term. And then at some point, you need luck to go your way, whether that's ping pong balls, whether it's a key decision or whether it's getting an injury break, for example, not knocking the Raptors here, but look what the Warriors injuries were in that series. And I think you need all of those things to come together without mortgaging your future. You don't trade it away. If you're going to get a free agent, it will come because they will want to be there. And we've seen that over and over again, but I think the key elements are those, but it starts with a star, building a culture, having a coach. And then I think it's luck. I think there's an element of luck. 
And you can say the same yeah. about the teams that didn't quite win it as well. I mean, look at Phoenix with Devin Booker, who's a star, and then you attract Chris Paul, and then you attract Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Same principle, Gary, isn't it? Yeah, and you could turn around and say KD with the foot on the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but yeah, you have to have that. You have to have that player. You have to have that guy because the odds diminish so much when you look at the teams without that star to do it. You have to have that star there to build it around because if not, you're saying, okay, can we be a San Antonio Spurs where Tim Duncan's just, you know, like say, for example, on the win or the Detroit Pistons team? You know, you, you need that star. And, and maybe I'm being unfair to Kawhi Leonard, by the way, with the last Spurs win. Maybe I am. But you need to have that star. Okay. So that's my convoluted answer. Sorry if you've just sat through it. <laughs> <laughs> so, G, you've got the flip side. People have been arguing the opposite side to what I've just asked Gary. And that um, teams like the Heat don't get high draft picks, but are perennial contenders. Therefore, and these are all names I've seen that we should go out and mortgage our future for. Therefore, we should go out and trade whatever it takes to get Giannis, Trey Young, Dame Lillard, Luka Doncic, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, or Jalen Brown. Right. Where do we start with this one? Um, Right. All those names, they are, you know, bona fide superstars or, you know, next level down. They've never been traded in their careers who's how much would you have to trade for Giannis honestly honestly that was one of the takes we must go out and get Giannis now the books have failed and this has hurt his legacy we should go out and get Giannis whatever it takes oh my god Honestly, you, I, you would I, have to every sell time I host Facebook, Facebook, one of the magic groups just write the agenda. It's brilliant. Yeah, that they they don't know how it works, do they? Let's be honest. Um, no, I mean, you I know, it. It, I, I, those players are superb players, but you know, you're gonna have to gut half the roster to get any of them. Uh, some I wouldn't touch. Fleet. Uh, but others, you know, they're quite desirable when you look at your Donchiches and your, your, your Antetokounmpo's uh, and your Jalen Browns. But what the, I mean, the argument here is what the Heat have done, they don't get high draft picks. They don't. But what they do very well is they recruit uh, players who con- contribute. You look at their roster now, you've got Max Struess, you've got Gabe Vincent, uh, Omer Yurtseven, Cody Zeller, uh, you know, they got Kevin Love on the cheap as well, Victor Oladipo. A lot of those players contribute uh, and have added to the oh God, culture uh, there. And I'm not saying the, the, the other word. Um, so the, the way they go about things is great, but you you got to remember they were, you know, seven for eight seed, seven seed before the play in, ended up the eighth seed. Are they going to win the championship? Probably not. So do you want to be that middle-of-the-road team that gets in the playoffs and finds these, you know, diamonds in the rough that, you know, help them contend, but, 
you know, they may get to the Eastern finals this year. Uh, for the record, I think the Knicks will take them out in five or six. Uh, just, I think they're a bit deeper. Um, so, you know, you almost got to press the reset button and go through the draft like we've done. So our front office for me has done it spot on. The contracts are in, in the, in the right, um, Places in terms of being front loaded, we've got a, a lot of flexibility with how many years are left on them. Uh, Mikey's touched upon how many draft picks we've got going forward. Um, but even if we traded all of those, you know, you're not going to get a Giannis or a or a Luca, um, unless they become disgruntled and they um force a trade. And how often does that happen? So, going back to you know the point on Donovan Mitchell wasn't happy was he and he became available um and i don't think there's anybody available at the moment gary also i was just gonna say gee that's a lot of sense paul but i would also i would say as well has um cleveland really killed themselves that much when you look how old mobley is and when you look i agree look at garland no they haven't haven't had to trade everything for uh, mitchell have they I understand the point, but it's just because I, I know what we did when we were trying to keep Dwight happy, and it became a lot harder to manoeuvre. So I, I can I can see the logic from a magic from magic fans saying that because you don't want to put yourself in a corner. But I do think that's told that's saying that there is no capacity for the players on the roster to improve, which for me is a little bit mind blown because I think Garland and Mobley in particular have a lot left. To offer, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Gary. I can see the argument that people are making. I can see the argument that people are making about uh, bring somebody in, and I can see the argument that people that build through the draft patiently, um, but trading your future away to get a star will hurt you. I can see that argument entirely. But I don't th- I think I, I agree with you where you say that the example of Donovan Mitchell is probably a bad example of to make of that um, that point because have they really traded their future away to get him? I'd argue uh, exactly what you've just said, Gary. I would argue not because of what they'd already got there. He's ent- he's enabled them to take a step forward, and they have taken a step forward this year, albeit ultimately they came up against a team who did they, did New York play um, at a level above what we expected? Certainly for me, I thought Cleveland would, would win that series. Did so you just don't know what the motivation is on a, on a day. You don't know. I mean, we don't know if anybody was actually carrying an injury at this point. We were all saying about, we were all talking about Paolo's dip previously. Um, and it comes out that he was carrying injury. We don't know if there's anything of that nature with with Cleveland. I just think it's a, a little bit of a silly point to make when it's in regard to Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't because I don't see that Cleveland have actually mortgaged themselves for the future. I, I think it's interesting, um, and it's not the series where I've been really paying massive attention to that one because it's. I find the Kings and the Warriors one to be really interesting. Yeah, series personally, and you're not going to watch every. I can't watch every game. I don't have time. Yeah. But I would say that looking at it, 
if you look now with the benefit of hindsight, that's possibly a nightmare matchup for Cleveland because one of the strengths of the Cavs is this twin towers approach that they have. And then they've gone up against a team where you've got Mitchell Robinson and Jill and um Julius Randle. Randle, yeah, Barrett. You've, you've got the, but you've got you've got those two big guys who can actually are two of the one of the teams who can actually physically say we can stand against them and bang and and do all the things that the Cavs inside would like to do. Maybe that's the nightmare matchup for them, where there's actually two bodies equally as big and physical coming back at them. Which... Absolutely. I would Again, I would agree. Now, I, the other thing I want to ask, um, and it's a slight extra point, we spoke about the Dylan Brooks comments last week about LeBron. And we've all seen how it's panned out since. So, in watch, coming back to watching Paolo in those in the uh, Rookie of the Year interviews, are we happy that we have a player who is polite, quiet, understated, and complimentary of those around rather than courting the media attention? G. That's what the magic organization um, look at when they they do the due diligence, isn't it? You know, they look at the history of the player. They don't like to get players in that that've got you know bad attitudes. Um, so they always do the due diligence. And um, I can't think of the last time we had a player in who who was you know a little bit like a Dylan Brooks. Maybe it was Matt Barnes. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I, I love Matt Bands, um, you know, but you just need, it's nice sometimes to have that edge, but I think Mo Wagner does it, but, you know, he, he's he's a good guy. He's not one of these types like Dylan Brooks who's going to speak his mind and and do what he's done to, to LeBron. Um, so, um, yeah, that's my take on it, mate. Yeah. And do Mikey, do you think it's cost... The Grizzlies a series. I I think it was the wrong matchup for them. I don't Ooh. necessarily okay. think I don't necessarily think Dylan Brooks Dylan Brooks has obviously taken the headlines for the wrong reasons and obviously that's been a factor as well. But look, LeBron's great and he doesn't need any more motivation than he already has to uh to take somebody apart. And we saw was was it before game two and they they both had a little chat with one another before the game? Um, nobody knows what was quite said yet, but um, LeBron doesn't care about that. Like he said in press conferences, he's faced that time and time again. We saw that with Lance Stevenson when he was with Indiana. Um, he's dealt with plenty of idiots before. Um, now I, I just think I think the Jar Morant injuries played a little bit of a factor as well. Um, Stephen Adams not being available, Brandon, yeah. Brandon Clark not being available, obviously hasn't helped them either. But I think we saw the last probably what six eight weeks of the season after the trade deadline, the Lakers were a completely different team, um, and unfortunately they are a legit threat to 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 go to the finals again this year. But the the Grizzlies are I think what the second youngest team in the NBA my uh, memory serves me right so it's a learning it's a bit like the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers it's a it's a learning curve for a young team 
who have uh, got a lot to figure out. But yeah, Dylan Brooks that certainly hasn't helped that situation. Yeah, you know me. I like to ask questions. I don't necessarily uh, agree <laughs> with the point I'm making in the question. <laughs> I think it was far more complex than uh, Dylan Brooks waking LeBron up because LeBron was already awake. But I do think there's been an element of all right. We'll go out and show you now. But yeah, I think there's. I don't. I think it's helped, but I don't think it's the defining factor. By any stretch do, of the imagination. Do you think it goes to seven? No. Do you think the Lakers close the deal tonight? Or I think night? I personally, I think both of tonight's games, the game sixes in the Warriors series and the Lakers series, are both finished tonight. I think both both get finished tonight. I'm hoping they're not. I love a game seven. It'd be, it'd be amazing to watch. Gary, what's your thoughts on it, mate? Game sevens, or are they? Um, I've got a weird feeling it will go to seven, one way or another. I think we'll, I don't think we're going to see both of them close out tonight. Famous last words. Um, I think with the with the Lakers situation, what sometimes you you play silly games, you win silly prizes, and it comes down to I'm I'm not rooting for the Lakers, but I'm not rooting for that either from Memphis and. It comes down again to your culture and what's in your locker room. And if that's the message you want to put out and that's the message your front office are happy with and that's what they draft and that's what they acquire, that's what you get. And would Miami have done that? I hate to say it, but would that have come out the Miami Heat? Would you I, I, without being a fan of them, you know, I'm a fan of the way they run that organisation. Mm-hmm. I think that... Miami are the team that you look at and want to emulate how you run an organisation, how you manage an organisation and how you go out and play on a court. Not necessarily the style of basketball, but how, the the energy and the dedication that you bring onto the court. Mm-hmm. You get you get the image because it's, it's kind of new age Pistons, isn't it? Where you want your bad boys of the NBA. That's what they're cultivating and they're relevant and people talk about them and no disrespect the Grizzlies. Nobody's really done that in the history of the Grizzlies franchise. For me, anyway, people paid attention to Zach Randolph. He had a bit of like the, the, the bad boy image around them and stuff. But I think not that like uh, it's not like this, no. And it's 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 clearly what it is. But it, I don't think you would see that flying in Miami. You wouldn't see it flying under pop with the Spurs teams. Um Draymond a bit of a bit of a character, but really I don't think the Warriors would even outside of Draymond Green that they would really have that much of it. The the the, the big fran- the franchises that you consider the winners wouldn't I think want to market themselves in this way. So and it's a shame because there's so many exciting players on Memphis, but it's making it really hard to like them. Those two series I think have been fantastic to watch. Uh, the Lakers Grizzlies has been a really good watch. It's been uh, entertaining basketball, and then the the Warriors Kings series. Wow, I just think that's been amazing. But uh, yeah, but I, I think both close out tonight. So, guys, thank you for your company. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing this. Uh, to everybody watching, listening, thank you very much. Please hit the subscribe button. I am on YouTube channel, Orlando Magic UK. 
bought Orlando Magic merchandise, make sure you visit the NBA Store EU or Fanatics UK using our links off of the website of this podcast. Um, don't forget that Fanatics also carries merchandise for football, rugby, Formula One, NHL, NFL, MLB, and the WWE. And if you use our affiliate code MAGICUK10, you can get 10% discount off your entire order. Certain exclusions do apply. And please like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube, as we've said, Orlando Magic UK. And so, till next time, from Gary, Garan, Mikey and myself, go Magic.